Episode 83 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didimenesis. And I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey. And Chad, thank God they won last night. Oh my God. Can you, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this yesterday when, when I was like, oh, this podcast is going to be terrible tomorrow. It's going to feel all like last season all over again. We're going to be talking yep. about just, oh great, this is back to an 85-point team maybe. And yeah, I mean, it. You know, the wind why. hides some of the sores, but you know, we're going to get into it today. There's still a, uh, still a lot sores to be worried about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, because I, I even actually tweeted um, as after the second period. Like, anytime they want to make one of these wins, a com- or uh, make one of these a comeback win, it'd be really appreciated because it was starting to go downhill and go downhill pretty quick. And e- even in the LA game that they ended up winning, there's just so much that had to go kind of their way for them to even pull that off. So it's just, I mean, let's be honest, Eichel pretty much dragged them to the finish line there. Scary, scary things. Nice nice goal by Gergensen, though. Yeah, that was a nice goal. I mean, it, it say what you will, Gergensen and Larson came in the clutch. I, I'm Larson, I mean, I guess it was just in the right spot at the right time. That was more, was say, more pilot just putting it off his skate, <laughs> calling bank and then putting it off his skate. So that's kind of that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing is, now we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I guess kind of ties in to kind of wrap up what we're going to talk about here. Today is you know, the Eichel scoring is back. Um, mm-hmm. He's on pace for 26 goals again and 101 points, believe it or not, which is crazy. Uh, they're back in the win column, so that's the good part. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin looks like he's starting to enter that elite territory. He was really good yesterday offensively. He had a rough second period. Other than that, he was pretty good. Uh, he played a ton of minutes. I think it was like 28 minutes he ended up playing, and overtime was a part of that, but still a lot of overtime power play time there too. Uh, the defense is going to become a logjam here if everybody tries to get healthy pretty soon. The secondary score we're going to touch on, which is also going to tr- flip into uh, 
we're getting into that season now, Bill, where some players who could be available are starting to come out. So we're going to mm-hmm. kind of touch on that a little bit, especially some interesting names here uh, that are starting to come out. But we'll kind of save that near the end. So I will say this. It's early enough that it feels like a little bit of crazy season before we get into the actual players that maybe move. We'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and for us, you know, we, we talked about this before. This is we're on the we're on the other end of it. You know, we're used to being the team or who's like, hey, we're going to yeah. sell these guys. We're <laughs> we're on the end where maybe you think they, we can get anything for Saboka. Right, right, right. <laughs> Saboka, Scandella, maybe like a third. Anything? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. So we're on, the, we're on the other side of it this time. You know, trying to get uh, potentially add a player, but that might not be so easy. But again, we're going to get to that at the end here. So we're going to start. I think today, kind of just quickly recapping um, the Flyers game, which was. Quick yeah. recap. It was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. So we're going to zoom right past that one. Uh, the Kings game was, it was, it's kind of like the Flyers game good. in a way. It was they started off pretty well. Uh, they didn't get the first goal, but still, like, the first period was okay. Second mm. period was a mess. Uh, I don't it think did. it was that way in the Flyers game. More the third period was a mess in the Flyers game. But you know, it just it's it's kind of that it's that up and down team. You know, it's it's the inconsistency. You know, of a team that's not. I don't, know, I don't know what I want to say. That's not really doesn't have all the pieces. That has a lot of holes. That has some areas of need, and that's kind of what you're going to get. You know, a team that's in year one of turning it around. Right. Exactly. And it, it's hard. You know, it's it's moving past that ten game winning streak. That eventually one of these days we're going to just have to it's going to stop talking about it because it's in the past now. Like, you know, yeah. it was cool that it happened, but it, it's behind us now. And you know, it, it that but you know, at the same time that streak is going to set us up for a lot of what this season could be come April. You know, that, that 10 game winning streak could be why they're a playoff team come April. But, you know, we'll see when that time comes. But in general, it's there's really a lot of the same issues. Now, this is kind of the second podcast we're going to talk about it now. There's a lot of the same issues, and it's it, it's concerning. You know, maybe, you know, the win streak and the start kind of hit some of those things. Like, oh, it's not that bad. Well, now you're looking at it like, it's actually there's still a lot of holes in this team. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is. It kind of is what it is this season, and you know, you mentioned it. You know, with Eichel, is maybe he's just going to need to drag you that first line, and need to drag you to the finish line. And I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, it hurts to not have Jake McCabe. That's for sure. You're going to get Marco Scandella back here soon, which probably will help. It'll send Matt Tennyson back to the AHL where he belongs. We don't know. We're going to get a Matt Hunwick here, who's in a conditioning stint, so he's probably going to be healthy here. I would assume he plays today in Rochester, which isn't going well for the Emmerichs at all. They're getting blown out. And then probably play again on the weekend. And then, I don't know, by next week, he could be part of the picture here. So it's it's going to get really interesting, you know, around here pretty quickly. But, you know, I mean, you're going to get Hutton back. I guess that's good. You know, you're mm-hmm. a little bit beat up. But it's, I don't know, these two games, those Flyers, the Kings game, the Arizona game, kind of we said we wanted no worse than four out of six or five out of six here. And right now you're sitting with two out of four with this Arizona game coming up. And I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about the last few games here, it's just it, – it's it's concerning. You know, it, it's more concerning, I think, that I want it to be. The underlying numbers have always been – not always, but they've been concerning, and you've kind of expected this dip. But I, I just – part of me watching these last few games wonders how long they can kind of hold on to this. And if they can find some consistency and enough wins – to kind of get you to that finish line because that's kind of you know we're at game thirty two tomorrow and you know I'm already looking for that finish line is how do we get there just just get in baby like we always say. Well, here you go. You ready for some good news? Some good news is that it's still hockey. It's still the NHL. Your even your terrible teams, worst teams in history, are going to get 
20 wins, 30 wins, right. whatever yep. it is. Yep. So, I mean, you kind of, you're, you're going to get bounces. And even the last, or uh, before the Kings game, the six games in a row, actually before the Flyers game, the the losses were all by one one goal. So your 10-game win streak, most of those you won by a goal. Now your losing streak, most of those you lost by a goal. So it's, it's really just, can they get enough bounces to go their way where they can, you know, start to right the ship, start to get more confidence. I think you need, we'll get into it. There's a lot of, there's, we might as well just get into it right now. There's, there's some guys that need to kind of right the ship. Um, Shiri's kind of been non-existent, you know, Middlestad too. I, I feel like he played really well in the 10 game win streak. And I, you saw him kind of starting to turn a corner. Um, the confidence was just kind of glowing at one point. And then as we kind of got into this losing streak, I don't want to say he's been bad, but he's just kind of been non-existent. Um, yeah, it's a good way to put so, it. So that's kind of concerning. Um, it's more defensemen like Matt Tennyson, who you wish would just be non-existent in a game where you're not noticing them, as opposed to Middlestad. Like, I need to see him doing something. Uh, and you're just kind of not seeing that right now. I think because he's kind of dropped off a little bit, Thompson's kind of done the same thing. Uh, I think it's kind of just a domino effect in that, like, second, third line. Oposo's gone ice cold. Um, just you, you, you need one guy on one of those two lines to just spark, get, get something going. Uh, that way I think it'll kind of, you know, get everybody else back on track. But I mean, the way it's going, even like you said yesterday, Pominville, he even is just, again, if he's not in that tap line, he's not doing anything for you. Uh, luckily last night, the, uh, or if you're listening to this tomorrow, two nights ago, the uh, the fourth line did get some goals. Gergensen's had a really nice play. Larson, like you said, I think it was more just Pilot whiffing on the the first attempt, but then having the the wherewithal to collect himself, not just fire it again, wait, find the opening, and then it was such a nice you know shot pass that even though Larson missed it, it hit him in the skate and went in anyways. So I, I think it's it, you need you need something from those two lines in the middle there, somebody to do something to kind of get the the spark back going because I mean the first line can carry you as long as they can and especially if Darlene I mean you said it last last night he uh he played really well and, and there's so many chances at, at least two that could have been highlight real goals and you know Pe- Peterson just happens to get a piece of it or makes a nice save uh I, I think that's not going to happen very often I, I think you're starting to see those highlight real chances and eventually those are going to start going in. So I think if you can get maybe, and it kind of sucks because you're, you're hoping for, you know, your young new franchise defenseman to kind of be another piece, which kind of isn't fair to him, but I, I mean, it, it's, it's not like he can't handle it. You're seeing it, him grow right before our eyes in 31 games, which is incredible. Uh, but if he can be, you know, another piece to that, first line puzzle that that kind of carries this team and then all they have to do is get some bounces a team like Arizona t- tomorrow night they're they're beat up you're hopefully gonna you know you just you got to get up early especially because you're at home again and then just you know hang on hope those bounces go your way and then you're looking at some tough games after that but again it's the NHL you could <laughs> you could lose to Arizona tomorrow and then beat the Capitals and beat the Bruins and we're shaking our heads you know Right. Um, right. So I, I yeah, I, th- I think it's you're really looking for just something and, and getting not getting ahead of ourselves with the trade, but I, I think if something does happen in that respect, it's probably going to be something that is a spark just to shake the lineup up enough that if you're still struggling as we get towards the deadline here, there might just be 
just a little tweak that they do to just try and find a little bit more chemistry to get some scoring besides, you know, Eichel, Reinhardt, and Skinner at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's really there's the problem is there's so many. <laughs> really, there's so many areas I want to touch on here, so I'm, I'm trying to focus in on one area, then wrap to another. So I know, I, I, like us all over. <laughs> so I, I think I'm gonna. It's kind of how it is, though. It really is because it really one thing ties into the next, ties into the next. So right. kind of where I want to, I guess I'm gonna put my focus on here, and then we're gonna circle back to the forwards. I'm gonna start with the defense here and start with Darlene. You know, I, I think his emergence is not necessarily surprising, but I also think that it's a little bit surprising how early it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's able to play those big minutes now. He's able to eat a lot of ice time. He's able to be effective defensively and offensively. There's still going to be those things that we saw last game against the Kings where there's those hiccups and mistakes, and that's going to be in his game. He's 18 years old. You expect that. We're also going to see the plays like we saw where he went end-to-end and circled the zone and created a scoring opportunity, but none of his forwards wanted to move. They just joined the Kings and started at him to skate around the ice. So, you know, that's going to have to change. But, you know, he, he does not only... Does he do what he does with his skill set? He he's made a player like Zach Bogosian be effective too, and you know I think that's gone a long way to solidifying this defense in a way where Bogosian has had his moments, especially recently where he's kind of dipped back a little bit. But I still think playing with Darlene kind of erases a lot of those because Darlene can make up for those mistakes with his speed. He can get back. He can you know if it's a bad pass in his skates, he has the ability to kind of shuffle it back to a stick really quick and make a nice move. You know it's it, it's nice to have. A player, and it's again crazy. I think he's only eighteen year old, eighteen years old. But you know, you had to say that to remember. You know, he's only eighteen years old, and he's this good already. But having a player of his caliber already step up and make this much of a difference on your team is—it's huge. It's a long way to go. And then when you throw Pilot into the mix here, where you know I'm getting to the point where I thought he definitely—I won't say definitely, but probably is going back to Rochester, and that still could be the case. But you know, as game and game and game goes here, and he's more effective. You know, we see plays like we saw. Uh, the Larson goal, and he's he's playing big minutes with Ristolainen, and he's only played four NHL games, and you're like, wow, he's a rookie playing both four NHL games, but remember, too, is he played, you know, a couple of years over in pro hockey in Sweden, and he has a couple, you know, handful of games of Rochester under his belt, too, so really he's not, he's not that new to playing against professional hockey players, so it's, it's nice to see him come over and, again, be another piece, and then you're going to get McKay back, hopefully soon. You're going to get Scandella back here soon, which I know he wasn't playing well, but he helps their penalty kill, and he's a good bottom six guy. And Bolu is playing pretty well. And then you're going to have Nelson. Then you have Hunwick. And, you know, this kind of gets into the question where I want to pose to you is what are you going to do? Especially if Pilot continues to play well, you kind of think it's going to be really hard to send him back, especially you're going to send a message to your team in a way that this guy has been one of your best defensemen, but you're still going to send him down where, you know, this is a team that kind of promotes – you know, earn what you do, you know, earn your minutes, earn your role. And I think it, for me, you know, being in that room, it'd be a hard selling point if you're going to send a guy back who's playing so well just because it's a numbers game, you know? So I guess I'll pose the question to you. What would, what would you, let's say, let's put it this way. Say, you're Jason Botterill. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's healthy. You're Jason Botterill. What do you, what do you do? You have nine defensemen. If I'm him? If you're him. I mean, you, if I'm him, you find a way to keep him here. But right. I, I think realistically what happens is he does go back down eventually. Um, <clears throat> I think Hunwick has always been, even since he's been traded here, he is always going to be that extra D. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to change at all. I, I think even when he does get healthy, you'll probably see him once he gets back, just you know because you got to just see what you have in him. Uh, but if he you know struggles at, at any point or is what we think he's going to be, then I, I think he's just, you know, your nightly scratch. 
Scando, I think, goes back in and Tennyson goes down. I think that one's easy. So, McCabe, that's where it gets tough. Because So I kind of want to circle back. And you're not, don't get me wrong, you're not like scratching Bogosian at any point. But I, I want to be careful to not overthink of what you have just because of Darlene covering up mistakes or bad passes or right, you right. kind of know what I mean yeah I, I don't I don't want to it's nice that he's doing that and it's a great thing but I don't want to get content with Bogo playing 21 22 minutes a night just because Darlene is that good um don't get me wrong I, I don't mind him in the lineup I just don't think he should be playing that much and I think you're kind of getting lucky at this point that it's not worse than it could be um, I, I mean, offensively, you're starting to see shots to the net, so that part's good, but I still think defensively he's a little bit of a liability. It's it's tough. It's tough because you have so many. I, I think – I just – I don't know how Pilot stays around, honestly. No, and, and, I, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in here. You know, I, I, I agree with – it's hard. It's a difficult decision. You know, it, part of me wonders, like, just hopes, like, I don't know, somebody else get hurt. That's not significant, you know? Like, just <laughs> kind of keep this thing rolling here. We don't have to make the decision. You can push the decision down the road, down the road, down the road. But it's, you know, it, there, there's, a, there's a few ways to go about it. You can you can try to sneak Nelson through waivers. Does he get claimed? I don't know, maybe. Uh, right, that too. I, mean, I, I guess you lose him for nothing, but at the end of the day, like you said, does it really matter? Uh, what would you have gotten anyways? Yeah, exactly. In, in Hunrick, I, I think you can put the waivers if you want. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to claim him in that contract. As long as it doesn't, if someone does claim him, it doesn't make you ship a third-round pick to Pittsburgh, which I don't think it does. I, I think it's only based on a trade for the draft, so I think you're good there. So there's some ways to get out of it by doing that. You can look at the option. You know, I tweeted about it. Edmonton just lost a defenseman. Maybe, maybe they're interested in, like, Taking a guy like Nathan Beaulieu, you know, who might not be in your long-term plans moving forward anyways, and you have so many left-shot defensemen that, you know, while he's playing well, he's playing sheltered minutes, and if you lose him, is it the end of the world kind of thing, you know? Or So it's... And, or maybe pilot's taking the spot. Right, exactly. Or, or maybe Edmonton's more interested in a guy like Scandella. Is that the end of the world to lose Scandella in a trade? Maybe you can get more for him than Beaulieu, but, you know, I mean, these are some things that can be explored down the road. It's just, it's... I'm always of the attitude where realistically logically asset management wise it makes sense to send pull send pilot down but i think the way this season has gone you know if, if we're talking about last year's team then okay yeah pilot goes down it, it's whatever get into more development whatever but you're in a position now where you're you know it's right now you're a top five team in the league you're trending towards being a playoff team and i think you have to find a way to have your best players in the lineup and i, I think part of that is they're not doing that at their forward groups because of the way the roster is set up. I think there's better players in the AHL that could come up and help, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I think when you have an opportunity here, with Pilot already being here and he's already here, you don't have to go through that whole kind of issue of finagling through your roster. I, I, I just think you find a way to make it work. And as game by game goes here, and the more he plays and the better he plays and the more Halsey relies on him and likes having him in the lineup to use him in certain roles... I mean, for God's sake, this, this kid's already getting power play minutes, and he's already he's only in his fourth game. So you know he's he's a significant part of this team. He's made plays within games that have made a difference. He was he was the main reason they tied the game because of that play he made to Larson. So you know it's he's an impactful player already. And I just if you want to be a real team, I understand McCabe has his spot and Scandella and Bull has played well. Just I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Outside of McCabe, I think Pilot is better than Scandella right now, and I think he's going to be better than 
I don't think he is, but he's better than Nathan Beaulieu, and he just he just gives you more, both offensively and defensively. He hasn't really been that poor defensively. He's had some mistakes here and there, but again, that's going to happen as he gets used to playing the smaller ice. So, again, to start this whole thing, logically, asset management-wise, it makes sense to not lose a player for nothing, potentially, and just to send the waiver exempt player down, but at the end of the day, I, I just think you have to find a way to make it work. That, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. So not only the asset management side of things, but I think, like it or not, and I can already tell you, I mean, most fans are not going to like it, but for better or for worse, I think no matter how the season is going and how, how it currently is going, uh, I think they, they have a plan still, and they're going to stick to that plan. That's why you haven't seen any forwards come up. It's why you know it took so long for Pilot. Pilot was up, and he didn't play for you know those three, four games. Right, right. And then he finally got in because of all the injuries. And I just I feel that, especially with Rochester, if they start to struggle here, I, I just unfortunately I think it's just they send them back down, they let them play big minutes, and try to right the strip in Rochester again. Better or for worse for the Sabers because, like you said, you're not necessarily then putting your best roster on the ice, which might not be the smartest thing. But again, I think they had a plan going into the season, and I think with kind of what happened the last couple of years, where they tried to force the rebuild quickly. I think Bottrell is really going to, you know, plant his feet in the ground here and say, we have a plan to be long-term good. And that plan is to send him back down, make sure the Rochester Americans are a good hockey team, that everybody down there is developing and and getting, you know, growing as a team there. Unfortunately, you just got to hope that it doesn't, you know, end up as you missing the playoffs by a point or two uh, in the long run. But I think at the end of the day, he he probably if everyone does get healthy at the same time, he goes back down. Yeah, I mean, I again, <laughs> roster asset manager wise, that that is that is the decision, you know. And you talked about you know putting your best foot forward, you know, in terms of having you know your best team in the lineup, and and it started to become an issue on offense uh, mm. within your forwards. You know, there's I, I think you it's getting yeah, exactly. I think it's getting to the point now where we're a few games away from here if. We don't see some more scoring from some other forwards. And I know you got a goal from Gergensens and Larson, but again, Michael scored the goal, you know, to kind of get things going. And you know, I, I feel like, like I said, we're a few games away here from this continuing to there needing to be some kind of shakeup offensively. And that can't be Scott Wilson, who's looks like probably still a few weeks from coming back. And that, that's not that's not the shakeup I'm looking for. Like you need to, I, I don't know, maybe you need to bring up Nylander, who's playing well and we had another great pass. You know, Rochester were losing 5-1 last time I checked, but he made a great play to Sean Malone, you know, to get the one goal Rochester did have today. So it's, you know, or, or C.J. Smith. It, it's some sort of spark in the bottom of your lineup because you're really getting, it, it's crazy. You're getting all, everything from your first line. You're getting some good play from your fourth line, and you got two goals from your fourth line yesterday, but you're not getting anything from your second or third line. Like you said, middle stat is... Is, is gone away offensively. He's not even really generating offense. Uh, the cliff has come for Jason Pominville, and he's tumbled over it. So, you know, that we knew it was coming, and here it is. Kyle Oposo has gone back to not giving you anything offensively. Vladimir Saboka looks like a mess now. Just he's not giving you anything really anywhere. Uh, Thompson just, he wasn't as bad as he was in the beginning of the season, but he's not giving you anything offensively. He made and, some nice plays in the Philly game. He did. I mean, yeah, he had that nice move around Provorov where he did, yes. But I feel like after he made that nice move, I didn't really hear from him again. You know, so there's... I thought he had... Not, not to say, like, he, he didn't do anything again, but uh, 
he had that one pass too. I think it was to I'll find it and come back to it. But either way, yeah. I, I just in general, he. I just wanted to say like he did have some nice plays in that one game, but again, the second and third line just you're, you're getting nothing at this point. Yeah, I mean the part of it too with Thompson can be yeah he's having his moments, but again he's strapped with Vladimir Sabalka and Jason Pominville. What are you going to get out of that? You know, it's he and, struggles on the forecheck too. I feel like he doesn't know whether to go in or not, and then he kind of half goes in, and then he kind of gets caught. Yeah, he doesn't know how to use his body yet. That's still the thing. Yeah. He doesn't know how to use yep. his, his big body yet, and someone's going to have to teach him that because he still struggles. You know, you're six foot six. You're one of the biggest guys on the ice. You got to be able to figure that out. And again, for a twenty year old, that is not unexpected. But somebody's going to be able to has to sit down with him and teach him how to use his body because you're right. There's just on the forecheck as he struggles, he's. He slows down. He's a half second late, and the puck is gone before he gets there. He doesn't really know what to do. Doesn't know whether to wave at it with his giant stick or to put his body on the <laughs> player. So, yeah, he's definitely he's got to figure that out. But it's you know it, it's a concern, and and it, it's something that we talked about at the beginning of the season, and then it kind of went away for a stretch, and here it is again. And there's players on long scoring droughts, and and don't forget about Connor Sherry is on a scoring drought of his own. I, I think he's played well. He's done some good things, but. It's the goals aren't there, and you know Sherry is strong on the forecheck, and he he should have scored against. I think it was Philadelphia where he got robbed. Uh, he should have scored there, but it's overall it's it's extremely concerning. And you know the tough part is besides Rochester, with the way their salary cap is, there's really not a lot they can do about it this year. Besides hope that somebody can get going here, or that you can get some help from your minor team. And I mean that's going to be the struggle because. It- it, the closer and closer you get to the trade deadline, I just don't. Again, coming back to the the bottles, you know, putting his feet in the ground and sticking to the plan, I just don't see any kind of huge move at the deadline here. It's it's probably maybe a move for a depth center or a depth winger, and then, I mean, you just hope you make it. Honestly, and yeah. again, but I, I think I think to that point, unfortunately. I, not to keep going back to the 10-game win streak, but I think it also kind of changed everybody's minds where it kind of shouldn't have. Remember what the season is. I mean, just even just talking about, like, Darlene, 18, Thompson, 20, like, Middlestad, he's still a kid, too, just out of college. I, I was talking to you earlier about how, you know, college seasons are, what, 25 games, 30 games? Yeah, Maybe? like 30, max is 40 if you're in the NCAA tournament, probably, yeah, around so, there. So, I mean, he's kind of hitting that end of his season. Um, I, I think not saying that he's going to go away for the entire rest of the season. I think he'll, he'll turn around eventually, but I think it might just be getting where he's got to find that second gear. You just, you have still have just so many young guys. I mean, pilot coming up now and playing well, but you just, you have so many young guys on this team. And for what this season is and was supposed to be is just be in the hunt. And they're more than in the hunt right now. Um, so if they can just, you know, Again, just get back to 500 hockey, and you're going to be right there at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and I think that's the important part to take away here is, you know, like, I think you kind of hit it, the nail on the head there with that 10-game winning streak where there's it, it changed some expectations, and maybe now this is a way to get the reality, you know, a fan's reality back to where it is. You know, this is this is not a team that is as good as that 10-game winning streak, but I don't think they're as bad as that 6-game losing streak or 5-game losing streak either. You know, there's someone if, that, if you combine the two and just pepper them in, like I don't think anyone's complaining at all. No, right, and you're exactly right. And you know, it, it's just you have to remember, you know, what this year. Like I said, I think you said it perfectly. What this year was supposed to be, to where it is now, but at the same time to understand, 
this is still a development year. I think it's the best way to put it. Your your exactly. goal going into this season was to be in the playoff conversation and probably just miss come April. Well, now you're way ahead of the game where as you talk about yeah, a few pockets. People are talking about you're on pace for 105 points. Right, and if you miss the playoffs, it's like, disappointment. Like that, that's right. kind of what the conversation has changed to now. And and sure, I think again, still the odds are still in their favor. They're going to be a playoff team, but it's. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs here, and mm-hmm. you know, and you know, kind of transitioning to that. Maybe have a little fun and some fun conversation here about some what ifs, you know, and the trade stuff is. You know, as I mentioned, there's really though not a lot you can do this season. How the salary cap is, they're up against the salary cap wall, um, or the ceiling, if you will. So there's really not a lot that they can do unless it's money in, money out. And around the deadline, you kind of rarely see that. You see those moves kind of for rental players for picks. You know, you might see one or two hockey deals here or there, but rarely, you know, you're going to see that. You know, that big thing. I mean, Tarasenko is the big name here. You know, that's come up in the last 24 hours as. The Blues are exploring moving him or really anybody off the roster. We've heard about Petrangelo a couple of days ago with Toronto. So they're exploring their options, but, you know, I, I again, I don't think that happens. You know, I don't think, I don't think so either. Tarasenko gets moved, you know, in February. If anything, that would happen in the offseason. And, I mean, Charlie Coyle is another guy, but that's a guy I think maybe could be moved in, you know, but, again, more likely probably in the offseason, right? Nuja Hopkins, same thing. Kevin Hayes is an interesting guy because he's a guy that, could be moved the deadline, but are you going to pay that much? And plus, he makes five point one eight million dollars. So, how are you going to fit that in? Uh, Tyler Toffoli is super interesting. You know, he's on a one-year four point six million dollar contract. I think he's a guy that I'm sorry, two years four point six is one enough for this year. So, I, I think he's a guy that could definitely move the deadline with how the Kings are going. But again, how are you going to fit that in? You need LA to take some money off your hands if you're going to make that deal. It's not impossible, just it makes it really hard. And again, if you can get Tarasenko Coil. Nugent Hopkins, Kevin Hayes, Toffoli, then there's your improvement for your team and there's your improvement for your bump for the playoffs. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I have a hard time believing they're going to pull off some kind of big deal. And we heard, uh, I forgot who, I think it was Friedman of 31 Thoughts today, you know, had a thing that, you know, he checked around on the, um, on the use in the first round pick and the Sabres are not about that at all. So, I mean, it's not unexpected. That's part of Botterwell's plan to hang on to those picks and, you know, use them moving forward or in the offseason. So it's, well, this trade idea is going to be fun. We're definitely going to talk about it here. I, I think before mm-hmm. we get into it, realistically, just I would set the expectation that there's probably not going to be anything big happening in February. And if they're going to make big moves again, uh, it'll be coming in June or July for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, in the offseason, you're already giving up for picks for Skinner and for Shiri. And I think those were kind of your big moves for this season to try and get the team into a contention spot. And I, I don't think that now that they are where they are, you're going to see kind of a big swing for the fences because it's kind of what the past regime did, and then all of a sudden your cabinet became pretty bare. So I, I think Bottrell is really going to, he's probably going to hang on to most of those first-round picks. I don't think he's going to hang on to all of them, but I, I do think he will, you're, you're probably going to end up using at least two or three of them as actual picks. So <clears throat> I, I just don't know, with, with that in mind, unless you're moving a guy like Reinhardt, which is kind of silly too, I, I don't see how you're taking a big swing kind of to to the point you were bringing up the other day is maybe it's a you know a prospect with the the deep defensive pool you brought up Gooley like maybe he's an odd man out with which which is a piece that you can maybe get a little bit more for with a pick to to kind of take you know less of the cabinet out uh, pick wise but I just at least this offseason I don't I don't think the team is there yet where you're starting to give up first round picks for rentals or or for players 
and I think that was in the Freeman piece too, that they're not really looking for rentals. They're more looking for younger guys that they can control uh, to a certain degree. So, I, I mean, unless you want to get into the, uh, who was it, Colin Campbell or Craig Campbell or whoever from Ken the Campbell from the hockey, yeah, the hockey news about that ridiculous Patrick Kane thing. Yeah, I'm not even touching that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that would have been the most ridiculous trade offer I've ever heard in my entire life. Even the guy he was talking to is like, all three first-round picks? But anyways, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just kind of in – it's fun to talk about these things, but I think in a realistic world, they're just not in a position right now uh, until you're in Tampa Bay, Toronto territory, you're not giving up those first round picks to go get a guy like, I don't know, like a Kevin Hayes. Like you're not giving up a first round pick to go get him to shore up a, a second line center position. You're just not there yet. And I, and I think it would be foolish to agree to a degree to go and do that this season. Whereas you can, you know, go into the off season, maybe pick up a free agent or two, uh, you build some more through the draft. Then your your Rochester team, they're a year further into it. Maybe some of those guys come up next year. Um, and then once you start to become that perennial, you know, division top three team, that's when you start to move first round picks or second round picks to take large swings at, you know, rentals to, to kind of get you over the top. I just they're not there yet. And I think Botterill knows that. I think you can see that from the last couple of games. And it's just they're they're not going to make that big swing, whether we like it or not, this season at least. So I agree with everything you said, and I understand, and I think you're on point. But I'm going to pretend you didn't say all of that. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Because <laughs> I'm question... not the one to say it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those assets are burning, pocket, burning holes in your pocket. Right? you got to get rid of them pretty quick here. Uh, yeah. So here's, we have here's my question to you. Picks? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> My question to you, speaking of first-round picks, would you – this is the hot topic I kind of had on Twitter today, Twitter conversation about this. Would you, as part of a package, wouldn't be everything, would you be willing in the summer, it would be, of course, to trade back the Blues, their first-round pick, as part of a package to get Tarasenko? I mean, if you're getting Tarasenko, I think yes. I mean, it's – if you're getting a player like that, um, I, I think you're probably giving it up a first-round or I think it'd be much easier to give up a first round pick as opposed to, you know, maybe a lesser player <clears throat> as a rental. But I mean, if you were talking about one of the premier goal scorers in the league, uh, yeah, you're giving that pick up. Do you want to know where I am? Where? Let it burn. You're on, no. Let it burn. Let it burn. Let St. Louis burn to the ground. I have their 2020 <laughs> first round pick probably. I'm going to butcher this kid's name, but Lafreniere and from the 2020 mm-hmm. draft is going to be in there from the Canadian. If they're going to move Petrangelo, if they're going to move Tarasenko, if they're going to move some players off their roster, they're talking about they have issues with you know, their mental makeup, which is it's funny that, that you know there was issues with mental makeup in Buffalo when Ryan O'Reilly goes to St. Louis and there's mental makeup issues with St. Louis. Now it's kind of funny how that follows them around. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm in full let that baby burn to the ground and I will take that pick and I'm going to go na 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 na. I have your pick all the way to 2020. And, <laughs> and I'm just in, and again, you know, it, it it's not likely that they're going to be, are they going to be the worst team in the league in 2020? Probably not. There's still a lot of talent in that team, but if they're going to move that talent like Tarasenko and they're going to get younger players and they're going to move out the defenseman like Petrangelo. And maybe they can't go run down a defenseman or a goaltender to really, 
help them. I mean, what are they going to do, trade for Jonathan Quick? I guess they can hope they can go sign Bobrovsky, but that's no guarantee by any means. So it's, I, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it's, Tarasenko sounds super interesting and it sounds like a really good idea, but it's going to be a lot of assets you have to give up to go get him. Uh, it's going to cost you one of your first-round picks. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, it's not going to obviously be just the first-round pick. Right. And can probably I, giving up. Can I get a comparable player? I mean, here, look, at, I wrote this down. So Tarasenko, Toffoli, Coyle, Hayes, and Ryan Richard Hopkins. So Tarasenko is going to be the best player on here, obviously. So he has, for his career, he averages 34 goals over 82 games with 67 points. Toffoli is 30, 23 goals and 47 points. Coyle, 17, 42. Hayes, 1947. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 22.57. Uh, Sanko makes 7.5 million for the next three or four years. Defoli has 4.6 for the next one more year for this year. Coyle has two Charlie, more years. Honestly, isn't that bad considering what the Skinner numbers are? Just throwing that out there. Right, right. Uh, Hayes is probably going to be around $6 million as a free agent center because I'm putting that near the Stasny money. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins is $6 million you know, for the next, I think, three or four years, too. So it's all those players, you know, have besides Hayes, who you'd probably get in free agency, have some term on their contract. Now, like you said, that $7.5 million is not bad when you're considering that you're going to pay Jeff Skinner probably in the neighborhood of $8.5 million. Mm-hmm. But the other part of them now with this is ideally and most likely you would assume that Sam Reinhardt might be part of that Blues deal. And if mm-hmm. you're going to move Sam Reinhardt out, and you're going to bring Tarasenko in. Okay, cool. I have a top six right winger. Well, guess what I need still? Another top six right winger. So now I've used all my assets to go get Tarasenko. I've used one of my first round picks. I've brought in more money and I had to sign Skinner for eight and a half million dollars. So my cap is pretty tight now. And then, like I just said, I use all my assets pretty much. Where am I going to get my other right winger from? I thought you were supposed to talk about the other side of the argument. (laughs) (laughs) You're right right back to where we were. But, I mean, that's the point. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Like, where are you then if you go? You're, you're right back where you were two, three years ago. I mean, right. obviously, Tarasenko is a better player than Ryan O'Reilly or Evander Kane. Right. But, but that's why I'm saying that I wouldn't do it, though. Because then you're, you're right. Like you're, you're, You are. You're going in a circle, basically. You're, you're bringing in an elite right winger who's, who's obviously going to be an improvement over Reinhardt. But you're still leaving a hole on your team. You're, you still mm-hmm. then have a need for right winger if Reinhardt is part of that. If Reinhardt's not part of it, then I guess that changes the discussion. But I'm still on full. I'm not giving them that pick back. I am not giving them that pick back. I will roll the dice, take my chances on it. And, you know, it, this kind of reminds me of a scenario where, you know, I talked about with you earlier, and I'm going to bring fantasy hockey into this. You know, you, I think it was like a couple, like maybe a month ago, you texted me, and you're like, you know, well, if you want to make a trade, I'm open to it. And I'm like, I said to you, I said, I'm not going to be the guy who bails Bill out this year. Well, I'm <laughs> not going to be the guy who's going to bail the Blues out. Like, no. You gave me that pick, and I'm going to sit back here, and I'm going to watch that baby burn to the ground, and I'm going to hope that 2020 pick is going to be low. And maybe by some chance, which I doubt, they gave you the 2019 pick, but, you know, it, it'll be impressive if their plan is to rebuild. Maybe they do give you the pick in 19, but I, I don't know. It, it'll be... So that's the thing that doesn't make sense. Because they don't have that pick, there's no... They retool. They don't rebuild. That's why I don't... Again, I think we're we're too early in the trade deadline era area, I guess you could say, for any of this to really come to fruition at all. I, I think a lot of this is just talk, and obviously it's it's exciting because the name is out there, and there's been people you know corroborating saying that, yeah, I've heard that too. But I think it like realistically looking at this from St. Louis's standpoint, I'm not shipping everybody out because I don't have a first round pick. I'm retooling. I'm keeping guys like Tarasenko around because those are the guys that are going to keep my team from 
being a bottom five squad. And now, I obviously, I know where they are so far this year. But I mean, look at but the flip side of it. Let's look at what the Ottawa Center. I mean, they moved out Carlson. Uh, they might get a deal done with Duchesne, but I don't know. Stone could be gone. Dezingle could be gone. They don't have a first-round pick next year. They I mean, let's be real, year. though. St. Louis is getting some good players coming. They, yeah, they, they do, but it's it's how quickly are they going to make an impact. And how quickly is Robert Thomas going to be an impactful player? Or Jordan Cairo? You know, Dominic Bach is still a few years away, you know. So they have, yeah, while they have some guys, it's it's how quickly can they be impactful. And it's really, you know, I, I think a lot of St. Louis this year, and I keep saying it, is if they just get a goaltender, they're going to be fine. But it's it's what, outside of Brabovsky, is what goaltender are you going to get? Besides Jonathan Quick. And Jonathan Quick is on the backside of his career right now. And then you're going to use a lot of that cap space when they have limited cap space to go get a five point whatever goaltender. You know, it's then, but then maybe do you have to move Tarasenko or Schwartz or some money off your roster to make that work too? So it's, I don't know. I, I think while St. Louis at one point isn't as bad as it looks and there's talent there, mm-hmm. when you dig deeper into it, when you get your, I guess, hands in the mud, you know, there's, you kind of wonder. How do they build out it? Especially if they're going to change their general manager too, which is possible. They already fired their coach. Maybe they just do a full sweep there. And they're going to bring a new general manager and a lot of different ideas and these players. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's it's a lot well, of right. interesting things as, going on. As a Sabres fan, you hope they bring in a new GM and he gives the, uh, there's going to be some rough waters ahead speech. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> as soon right. as you hear that, you can start celebrating. But thinking about the St. Louis Blues team as overall, you think there's any chance a guy like Pareko gets moved? He's got to be stuck long term, right? Uh, yes, I agree on Pareko. I, I think <laughs> that might be the guy that I would. Call. I'm even. I'm even willing to listen on Petrangelo. You know, he has one more year left for this year. Uh, he's only 28 years old still. You know, he's having a rough year this year, but you know, he's a right shot defenseman with some veteran experience, a former captain that I wouldn't mind having on my team. So if they're going to move one of those defensemen to Pareko or Petrangelo, maybe that's where I'm more interested than. You know, Saboka or Schwartz. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like Tarasenko is going to, I said Saboka, I meant Tarasenko. I think Tarasenko is going to cost so much in terms mm-hmm. of assets that I can get, I want to be careful here with my words. I don't want to say a player up to his caliber, but maybe I can get a player one notch below that for less assets that still makes an impact on my team. Because realistically, I, I need another winger next summer if I'm not going to get it at the deadline. I need, I need another winger next summer to roll with Middlestat. It, it can't be Kyle Oposo. I need another right winger. Uh, Sherry's fine for one more year, but I, I need another right winger. You don't even have one in your organization. You can try to convert Nylander to playing the right side, but he's primarily left winger in the time he's been in Buffalo, so I'm not really a big fan of that. So it's, yeah, but I, I think you're I think you're right on there. If, if you want to target somebody in St. Louis, maybe it is one of those defensemen and not one of the forwards because Pareko would be super nice, super, super nice. But at the same time, if they're going to move Petrangelo, are they going to? And Pareko then becomes the anchor of that blue line. Are they going to make that move, especially with Bomeister, you know, falling off a cliff too? So that's. Uh, <laughs> I would love to get my hands on Pareko. Does I don't know how realistic that would be. <laughs> through through the entirety of this podcast, we got a lot of NHL players at the bottom of a cliff. Yeah, yeah, we have. There's, there's a lot of players going over the cliff here, and only only thirty games into the season, but it, it's. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. The pile's getting pretty large. It is. It is. We haven't even touched <laughs> other teams either. So that's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's it's. Schedule is interesting too. I mean, it's it's the classic, buy low, sell high, right? You know, a team that's yep. struggling yep. that 
that a, a player on a bad team is probably not doing as well as they could on a better team. Uh, if you can get them for cheaper, that's the deals you're going to go make. Uh, or a team that's kind of cap-strapped like they did with the Shiri trade. But yeah, I, I also think, too, that maybe that's where, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, a guy like maybe Bolu makes sense. Uh, a guy that if a team is starts to get into you know, injury trouble like the Oilers that are in a wild-card spot currently, they, they're a team that has to kind of turn things around. They have. They won four in a row so far with the, the coaching change. So if, if they're a team that feels like they need to make the playoffs this year, um, maybe you can find a team like that to go, you know, get get a third-round pick back for Bolu, or and then you can flip that into a package for somebody else that you want to go get. So I think there are ways that you can make it work, but I think there's going to be many a conversations to happen and a lot of pieces to fall into place for some of these trades to happen. That's why I just don't think you're going to see anything anytime soon. <clears throat> but I, I do think deadline-wise, you might be able to see where maybe the Sabres do move somebody out that a, a team might be a little higher on than Bottrell is. Because you got to remember, a lot of these guys really aren't Bottrell guys yet at this point. He hasn't really fully overhauled the team. So if you can get something for maybe a bottom forward or one of the bottom D uh, that you can then then flip and turn into something else on the other end with a, a little more on the, the package sides for the Sabres, maybe that's kind of the route he goes this season. That way you're really not giving up the assets that you currently have today, you know, pick and prospect wise. Uh, so maybe that's kind of the route that they go instead. So we'll... We'll do this, because this is, this is definitely a fun conversation. It's interesting, but if they're going to have a conversation a lot here over the next two months. So I, I think now is a good time to table it a little bit here, and we'll come back <laughs> to it. There's going to be more players that come out, too. There's going to be more names, be more teams that fall off the cliff, another team falling off the, more, more off the cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> more teams that Tune fall off the cliff. next week when, when Chad shows the whole Chicago Blackhawks off the cliff. <laughs> the problem with the Blackhawks, so I don't want any of their players, I don't want any of their contracts. They're, I'm, not, I'm not bailing them out either. Like they're, they're I mean, the Kings own. are kind of in that scenario, too, though. Yeah, you saying, definitely. Like, can they take some money back? There's no way they're taking any kind of money back. Nope. No, if they want to fully, they want a draft pick and a player on an entry-level contract. You know, that's what Dennis said and I talked to him earlier in the week. That's they that's what to. they want. Yeah, exactly. So let's kind of transition here looking to Arizona quickly and the weekend. You know, the Coyotes, while they've played better, they won four games in a row before now they're on a three-game losing streak. Uh, but they're, they're a sneaky little team. They're a sneaky team. They... They fell down 4-1 to Boston, almost came back and won, lost 4-3. They fell down 3 nothing to San Jose on Saturday, came back and tied it before losing 5-3. to You know, they're, they're going to be missing players. There's probably no Galchenyuk, no Christian Dvorak, no Michael Grabner, no Jason Demers, no Antiranta. So you're either going to get Darcy Comfort, or you're going to get Aiden Hill in goal, and they're going to be missing a lot of their key players. Now they still have Clayton Keller. Uh, they still are going to have Derek Stepan. They're still going to have Oliver Ekman-Larsen, and, you know, but... At the same time, they're looking at their roster today when I was doing some, you know, I guess early scouting of the game. I feel like I don't want to lose to a team that has lost in Krause as their top line left winger. Mm-hmm. I feel like that can happen, you know. But the thing that kind of scares me is, like I said, they have that talent, that sneaky talent that can, you know, score goals and run with you. But also, their penalty kill scares the bejesus out of me. There's a top rated penalty kill in the league, and they have 11 shorthanded goals this season. Now, Grabner has four of those, mm-hmm. but still, you have a. You, I mean, I think Stepan had three. Uh, Richardson, I think, has three, and there's some other guys who have one or two. So it's if they're not careful with how poor that Sabres power play has been, 
that really could be a difference in this game. If if they can somehow get a shorthanded goal on you, or maybe even two, um, you know that that could be the difference in the game. So I, I really just you should win this game. I understand you're you're still depleted defensively. You might have Scandella back. You're probably going to have Hutton back in goal, but I, I just again I think this is one of those. I hate saying must wins, but it, it's that I really kind of need to have this one, especially when you have. Washington on deck Saturday and Boston following that on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously it's not when there's 82 games. It's it's tough to say must win, but it, it's another one where you felt like you really needed to have the Kings game. I think getting the Kings game helps, um, but with what's on the horizon, I, I definitely think that. <clears throat> I mean, the Coyotes are a game that you should win, and if you're going to be a playoff team, those are the games that you need to go win. Because, like you said, with with Washington on the horizon, I think both of them are at home uh, coming up in the next week. Here, they they've won. You know, I think they're eight and two in their last ten. Yep. Um, so, and, and then Boston, even too, they're starting to get healthy on their defense, and they're starting to turn it around. Yeah, all they of a sudden they have thirty eight points. I texted you yesterday. When did that happen? Straight. Like, when did when yep. did they get thirty eight points? You know. Yeah, they they beat Toronto, they beat Ottawa, and they beat um, Arizona, Arizona last, yeah. last night. So. Boston's definitely a team that's, that's starting to chase you down. So, I mean, you're getting to that point of the season where here here comes. Here comes the important games where you're playing Boston twice, right, before the end of December? Yep, I believe so. Yep. So, I mean, those are going to be games where you need to at least split. Uh, you got the Islanders coming up who, once Pittsburgh overtakes them, they're going to be a team that's going to be chasing you. Um, so, here we go. I mean, it's you're, you're getting close to the halfway mark of the season, and now you're going to – not only watch what the Sabres are doing, we're going to start watching the teams that are going to be chasing the Sabres. And uh, you're going to be starting to play those teams. So get get beat the teams that you should and you need to beat, like the depleted you know, Coyotes coming up here. Um, and then you kind of just got to roll the dice here. Maybe get a couple points. Maybe take at least the Capitals to overtime. Uh, I know they're playing really well right now, but <laughs> you found a way to do it against Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, and... Um, Minnesota. Like, well, Minnesota, you won, you won in regulation, but still. So yeah, I mean, you, you're you're beating or at least competing with the top teams. I, I feel like they do tend to kind of play up when they're playing the top teams. So get some points. If you can't win, at least take it overtime. They're good at doing that. Bank those points because they're going to come in handy in, in the end of the season here. Exactly. Exactly. I, I will say this is having these conversations is a lot more fun than being mm-hmm. you know, middle of December and talking about draft picks and trading players and losing games and well if we just rattle off five in a row here and get some breaks our way maybe we can get back in the conversation this is i said last pod it's it's always harder to chase it's it's a lot better to be the one being chased uh than to be the one doing the chasing so yeah i mean it's it's and i think kind of that's where the both of us have taken a step back and once you remember what the season is supposed to be and take the 10 game winning streak the emotion of that out of it um, I think <laughs> you take the step back and you're in a, you're third in the Atlantic right now. You're in a good spot. You just have to not <laughs> fall off a cliff. It's a, the theme of this podcast. Don't fall yeah. off a cliff. I think what I'm going to call uh, it falling off a cliff is going to be the title yeah. of this podcast. <laughs> Don't fall <laughs> off the cliff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think you were, you were climbing that mountain like crazy. Uh, with the 10 game win streak. And now you're kind of dangling at the edge there. Just don't, don't topple over. Don't fall apart. And you will make the playoffs this season. Um, and other than that, let's you know you'll get some highlight real goals and some good play. And hopefully, if your depth scoring turns it around here, 
um, it'll all be all good things. So we'll get back with you, the listener, uh, after the weekend. We uh, we have an interview lined up on Monday, I believe. It's go double check, but we're going to have David Pagnota on here, uh, which I'm assuming you'd be mostly primarily around some trade talk. But uh, after that, you know, we'll get back into the conversation. Maybe after I think they play again Tuesday, so maybe after Tuesday, maybe next Wednesday, we'll get back with you again. So we'll kind of see how. Things go over the weekend here. Uh, hopefully, at the very least, you can maybe get a split out of these four games, two and two or two, one and one or something like that. That'll be nice. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So to get the spiel here as we wrap up, make sure you follow us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. Interact with us there. We thoroughly enjoy that. Make sure you subscribe, rate, share on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can hear a podcast. Beyond the Blade is going to be there. And, of course, make sure you check out all the excellent Sabres content at Die by the Blade as well. And also look forward to, coming over the weekend, the new addition to uh, the Beyond the Blade podcast group now. We have the Amrix one. We have a Sabres one. And now we're going to be adding uh, a bloggers one, in a way, uh, out the basement with myself and Anthony Siandra. That is going to kick off on Sunday. So a third podcast now in the Beyond the Blade family, which will be exciting and fun. So... A lot going on here, Bill. I like doing things when it's fun to talk about hockey. So, mm-hmm. I mean, hockey's always fun, but when the team in your city is winning games and relevant, that makes things more fun, that's for sure. Thank you for winning yesterday. Yes, yes, that <laughs> can't be been, said enough. This could have been a lot different worse. tone. Yes, this could have been a lot different tone today. Thank you I very much for listening. The there might have been screaming. There oh, might have been there, I'm going to fall off the cliff if they would have lost yesterday, to be honest. <laughs> that that might have been what, what would have happened. But, a win's a win baby just are. just rack those points up mm-hmm. get to the end get to the finish line if I cost a carry there it's a carry there just do what you gotta do just win some games put that seat in good use that's right so we will talk to you soon in a couple days thank you very much for listening uh, make sure you check out the Amrix podcast this weekend and then like I said out to basement coming soon this weekend as well so for Chad and Bill we'll talk to you again next week enjoy the games get some more wins see ya yeah Hold up.